A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hey, welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. I'm Dan Hudson. He's James Barr. Um, We've got an incredible guest this week. If you're listening in the UK... This guest requires absolutely no introduction whatsoever. If you're not in the UK, then let us introduce you to Vanessa Feltz. Oh my God, you are in for a ride. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, where, where, where to start with Vanessa, man? She's a TV and radio presenter, journalist, newspaper columnist, Agony Aunt. And probably the gay icon. The, really? The gay icon? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. What, more than, more than Madonna or? <laughs> I would say so. Interesting. Vanessa is a love of Huns meme queen. She's famous for being on Celebrity Big Brother and having a meltdown. I don't think she's famous for that. I think she was already incredibly famous. I mean. she went on that and that. <laughs> that is a fair point dan hudson <laughs> apologies to vanessa there it's, it's difficult to, to describe to people not in the uk how much of a legend vanessa Feltz is right well i but, mean they're about to hear just how much of a legend vanessa Feltz is very much so we're going to talk about her infamous meltdown on big brother um plus how she feels about her status as a gay icon which she actually reveals that she regrets not taking full advantage of (laughs) we're gonna hear her let rip about gay conversion therapy too because what is an icon if not an ally can i tell everyone how we ended up with vanessa feltz on the podcast so i've been working with vanessa feltz oh here he goes what do you mean here he goes i'm just ready for the bbc clang there's no bbc clang i've been working i've been lucky enough to be working with vanessa where um over the last couple of months where uh well at at the uh the uk the UK's most um, uh, significant broadcaster. Just say um, it. But I, well, at, 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 at Radio 2 specifically. Well, hey! And as soon as I started doing that, James said, oh my God, you've got to ask Vanessa to be on the podcast. And I said, yeah, I will do, but let me just get through this run of shifts first because it's actually quite busy. There's loads going on in the show. I don't want to like, I'm looking for the right moment. Dan didn't want to be unprofessional, but I did. So I yeah. so I went to Vanessa's close personal friend, Fleur East, who I work with. And I asked Fleur if she could put me in touch with Lady V instead. Yeah, but she's not, I don't think Fleur East is friends with Vanessa. Fleur East is friends with Vanessa's other half, Ben. Right. So what happened is James Barr has spoken to Fleur East, who's spoken to Vanessa's other half, Ben, who has spoken to Vanessa, who has then said to me, oh, I heard that you want me to come on your podcast, <laughs> which obviously I did. But then how much of an absolute tool do I look for not just asking myself? That's the question I was asking at the time. Why haven't you asked her yourself? Because I, I was going, I was looking for the most opportune moment. I anyway, gave you three weeks before I sent that text. Anyway, she's here on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> very very excited about this one it's a ride uh please welcome the hilarious hyper intelligent articulate legendary icon put your hands together for the legendary vanessa, vanessa welcome to a gay and a non-gay Understated, anemic, footling, ifling build-up. I want something big and you know, megawatt, please. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I should have gone harder. Always go big. Go big or go home, mate. Really. <laughs> Vanessa, do you do you know that you're a gay icon? 
Do I have to be modest and pretend I don't? Or can I admit that I know and I've been a gay icon for decades now? <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit how many. I've got to introduce the Weather Girls at some fabulous lesbian fandango fiesta in Finsbury Park. And I got to say, hello, Finsbury Park. And then I got to ride in the gay equivalent of a Pope-mobile right <laughs> through the festival. And I got absolutely bombarded. There were there were bosoms shoved in my face from all directions. And now I'm, you know, now I have an ample opportunity to reflect upon these things. I wonder why I didn't take advantage of the numerous offers that flooded in my direction. I was wrong. I was mad. It was absurd. <laughs> I'm sorry. I regret it. I regret absolutely more everything. Everything. It's never too late, Vanessa. I know, but where am I going to get the office these days? You know, I'm just working, working, and I've got this partner, very flamboyant, very well-known, very <laughs> heterosexual, very large, you know, quite prominent in many ways. And I don't think people would imagine that the avenue or my avenue or my cul-de-sac or whatever you want to call it was open to that kind of invitation anymore. Why are you so iconic? I can't deal. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I so iconic? I was born this way. Dan, do you know what a gay icon is? Yeah, no, I, I sort of do. But can can you just explain, like, in lay layperson's terms, what it is that makes Vanessa so iconic? I, I think it's a few things. I'd like to hear Vanessa's take on it too, actually. But I, I think Vanessa that it's because you're just so fiercely yourself. I honestly, I remember when I was first called a gay icon, and it was probably around about, I don't know, let's say 94, something like that. And I, I thought, blimey, that's a compliment. I mean, I was pleased. I thought it was probably the greatest thing that anybody could ever say to you. And I've always been thrilled to bits about it ever since. I just think, you know, to be an icon at all, look, I, I don't take it very seriously. I don't believe that, you know, that, 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 that gay um, people wake up in the morning, genuflect to my image, you know, plaster a picture of me on their jam jars. And I mean, I don't think it's that. But it's a tribute. It's nice. And I'll take a compliment anywhere I can get one. Oh, I definitely think that some gay people have pictures of you in their houses. Like, for really real. hoping so. <laughs> if that's true. And I've heard there are a few duvet covers. Yes. With my charming image. I've heard of that. I would love that. It is, though. Like, it's there's so many reasons. You are so yourself. You're not afraid to hide who you are. And that is a very gay experience we are the same and i think that is where we connect and also there's a lot of trauma in gay people's lives and i know like if you don't mind going there there's been some trauma in some level of trauma in your life too sure sure yeah i mean i think i think you're probably right i don't know maybe um the gay community realize i don't take myself all that seriously and i don't i don't take it or me or anything much about my life all that seriously and and i suppose also you know i was the first person to tell big brother to fuck off and also <laughs> the first celebrity and this really is true to discombobulate visibly on telly because before that if you saw a celeb on the telly they were always you know giving michael parkinson a carefully curated interview in which they'd agreed every single question in advance and i know that because i've done the parkinson show and there was i sobbing weeping howling you know all over the telly and <laughs> no one had ever seen anything like it it was a bit too real and absolutely shocking and i got i think it was seven thousand letters lots of them just addressed, you know, Vanessa Feltz, the telly. And they were all nice. They were from people saying, oh, why don't you come and live in our back bedroom? We'll look after you. You know, we're in Aberystwyth. Hello, come to us, this kind of thing. And I think that imprinted me on gay consciousness as somebody who really was probably more real than anybody could ever bear to be and was showing it in a very public place. And obviously, I never did any of that on purpose, so I don't really deserve any credit for it, do I? Yes, because you're being you in a world of people that are pretending. And I think that's massively gay and important. And I think, 
life seemed a bit short to be pretending to be someone else. You know, I just thought if I'm going to say something, I might as well mean it. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, I might as well feel it. I might as well ask the questions I really would like to hear an answer to rather than some kind of formal kind of prearranged dance of questions and answers, none of which you give a damn about. So I, I have you know, decided if this is what I'm going to do for a living, I might as well do it with some kind of authenticity. Otherwise, why why would you do it? This is my brother. Would Vanessa please come to the diary room? No, fuck off. You're losing the plot there, Vanessa. Yeah. I mean, that was, as you say, 20 years ago, but people are still, still going on about it, aren't they, Vanessa? <laughs> yes, they are. It was 2001. And when I left the Big Brother house, as I said, I was inundated with, with, with mail from people all over the country and, in fact, had to be given my own security guard, not because people were attacking me, but because people wanted to kiss and hug and squeeze me because they felt that I was so damaged, I was so vulnerable, I'd been through a terrible divorce, my mother had died, you know, I was in a right state. And, um, and people just kind of reached out in this um, amazingly delightful way. But I hadn't realised, because when we actually went in for the very first Big Brother, it was a really weird programme. It was um, half shown on the BBC, half shown on Channel 4. It only lasted one week, and that's if you stayed in the whole time and I didn't. There was no prize money. In fact, there was no prize at all. It was for comic relief. The whole thing was for charity. And while we were doing it, the phrase, oh, my God, an epidemic of reality TV, had never yet been coined. So when we were actually participating in it, we didn't know if anyone would be watching at all. We thought it might be one of those really boring charity things that people... People don't even bother to watch. So when I came out, it had been this enormous phenomenon. That was a bleeding shock, I can tell you. I had no idea. I was absolutely like, oh, shit. And something like, I think they said something like 25 million people watched it over the course of that first week. And then I thought, well, OK, everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to know, did I have a nervous breakdown? What was really happening to me? And blah, blah, blah. And the Jewish Chronicle newspaper gave an interview saying, what, you think that's a nervous breakdown? Come to our office. You'll see everybody behaving like that all the time. What's the matter with her? She's completely normal. You know, and everyone had to chip in and say something. Well, was it fake? Was I really doing it? What was actually happening? Why was I doing it? How could I have been so all right the next day? You know, all of that. Um, but I really did think that interest might last, I don't know, a few months, maybe until the next series, and then no one would ever mention it again. I didn't realise that 20 years later, people would still be asking me about it, still talking about it, still wondering what the hell happened. And, you know, it would never go away. What I did find absolutely extraordinary was, you know, I've been presenting the old Vanessa show on ITV for years by then. I'd been on the bed on the Big Breakfast for years and years. And after those three nights in the Big Brother house, because it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, only three nights, that's all it was. Every time I went anywhere, they played the Big Brother theme tune <laughs> as if it was the only thing I'd ever done in my entire life life which was a bit of a shock but on the other hand it means that you know i never have to sit there at a dinner party with nothing to talk about everybody always wants to know about that so it's fine a gay and a non-gay as a gay person i have a lot of meltdowns do you still have meltdowns vanessa i would say what before breakfast or after breakfast what do you ask? <laughs> well i mean your, your 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 lovely beautiful colleague dan has had the uh, chance to work with me on radio 2 on the early breakfast show and to produce me and you know many people wouldn't dare even <laughs> attempt such a thing and he did it fearlessly i mean he's been very courageous about the whole enterprise and he will tell you you know a meltdown a day you know keeps the listeners happy i'd say <laughs> <laughs> but i i actually want to know because you work with dan as well and obviously we all know listeners to this show know dan works at the bbc he likes to mention that a lot um what's it like working with dan spill the tea <laughs> on working with dan what can I tell you? What can I tell you that I can disclose in this public arena? 
I mean, the <laughs> fellow's habits, his personal peccadilloes, you might want to check the spelling of that, his, his strange kind of passions and foibles and idiosyncrasies. I, I don't know if I can inflict them on the wider public. <laughs> he is a, let's put it this way, he's a curious personality. He is a... <laughs> degenerate in many ways he is uh i don't know if he's a syndrome or if he's uh i don't know if he's not well at the moment i don't know what's the matter with the guy what is the matter with him i don't know something wrong deep, dan deep, do you, deep, do deep you want to answer I, I i didn't know you had these these thoughts about me vanessa what, I, what way am i a degenerate you know how you communicate in the radio studio he sits in one studio over there behind glass i sit in another one on my own behind glass and if i want to speak to him i push a button and i say something i usually say something like which line is the caller coming through and i mean it's really something innocuous, <laughs> deadly boring, incredibly pedestrian. So I push the button and I say in my most understated routine office voice, hi Dan, which which line is the caller coming through on? And this is what he does. I push the button and he goes like this. <laughs> jumps and recoils in terror and shock as if I have electrocuted him or sent some enormous <laughs> monotone cocktail through the line. And all I've said is, which line is the caller coming through? The fellow goes white, he blanches, he looks like he's going to vomit, he puts his head in his hands, and that's all I've said to the guy. What's the matter with him? What is the matter with him? I just, I get a jump very, very easily. Like and That's what I'm saying. I'm on I'm on tenterhooks all the, all the time. Every time I walk down the street. Did I tell you there's something? He's not quite 100%. He's not. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think so too. And also, and also, I don't want to get really personal, but have you ever had the misfortune to drink a cup of tea prepared by him? No, I am insulted. What's wrong with the tea? It's like putty. It's like granite. It's like cement. <laughs> it, it takes a long time to arrive. And when it does, you wish it hadn't. I always knew that Dan's tea was crap and now you've confirmed that hang on hang on hang on two things it takes a long time because i'm going to wash my hands first because of covid i'm just being extra extra okay. safe that's why it takes a long we'll time we'll take a we'll take a quick <laughs> break on again and on gay whilst these two sort their problems out and we'll be right back with vanessa Feltz. Everything you've just said, it makes me think you need to be on RuPaul's Drag Race. Have you watched Drag Race UK? <laughs> Are you going on Drag Race UK? If not, why not and when? I mean, I'm waiting for my invitation. There's nothing I wouldn't love about it. I would love every single aspect of it. I think he's divine, absolutely glorious, completely and absolutely inspirational and so joyful and so fun. I, mean, I just love it. And I love, you know, I love tinsel. I like sequins. I like stilettos. I like every kind of vertiginous, fake, twiddly bit that you can ever have in life. I always have the idea of good taste. I've always found so boring. It's so dull. You know, it boils down to the discreet charm of, charm of the bourgeoisie. It's all got to be beige or charcoal and understated. And who wants to be understated when you can be understated? Speaking of beige, we'll we'll get over to Dan in a minute who can ask you some <laughs> questions as well. Um... <laughs> Thanks very much. Well, actually, no, I'm just talk, joking. Talking about drag race, do you have a, a, a drag race name ready to go? So if you get the phone call, then then you can give it to them. <laughs> I mean, in this house, I'm known as Young VZ. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. So I was thinking, like, um, I know you love Elton John. I was thinking you could be a drag king and name yourself Elton Dong. <laughs> when, I, when I was a novice reporter from a sheltered background, I did have to go and do a story about these male strippers and hen nights, and it was in London. And there was this guy called King Dong. <laughs> have you ever heard of him? And he and I really have seen this with my own eyes. This is true. This is not embroidered for the purposes of your podcast. But he literally could get his 
you know, a pertinence, swing it round like a lasso, tie a knot in it and chuck it over his own shoulder. And I actually saw that I never <laughs> recovered from that. I'm going to take a slight swerve here and ask you a more journalistic question, Vanessa. Um, you, you obviously, you're really, you know, you know a lot about the world. And at the minute, as you're aware, the government have a real lack of action on the conversion therapy ban. And I just wondered, like, do you have any insight on why that would be? Like, why are they taking so long? And, and what are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are that it's appalling, um, but my thoughts are that it's not just this government. It's not really a particularly political issue. It's It's been a, something that, that has been ignored, marginalised by a succession of governments. And I think that's absolutely devastating. I mean, I cannot see any reason at all, any sound reason or possible justification for not you know moving all possible hindrances to stopping this because it's 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 abusive it is it is i mean it's absolutely contemptible it's disgraceful that it should be allowed to continue in any form whatsoever and it's disgraceful that it should be legitimized and it's disgraceful that it you know it hasn't been outlawed exposed punished condemned vigorously you know on front pages and by politicians of all different persuasions so you know i i i I, no i don't have any insight as to why uh, and i think this is a really appalling sin of omission and it needs to be atoned for and it needs to be rectified and it's absolutely urgent every day that goes by is a crime against humanity really and it's a very vulnerable part of humanity and and often a a part of humanity you know least equipped to, to, to fight it it's really appalling no i don't know why and I and I can't say anything amusing about it because it's so so appalling, bad. You um, nearly made me cry. <laughs> you just went, you just kept going, and I was like, okay, I'm. This isn't okay. I'm gonna go. Well, it's just awful, isn't it? Awful. Yeah. Yeah. No. Awful. I suppose it's some. I suppose it's an issue that you know the overwhelming majority of people don't have to address. They don't have to confront. They may never think of it. They may simply not be aware of it. They may, you know, they may really be ignorant of the fact that it goes on. And if they were to be pointed out to them clearly, they would be horrified, but they just don't really know. And so they don't they don't attempt to galvanize MPs or anything into action. And I suppose that must be a failure. We we need to get it out there and we need to make it known, don't we? So that people will feel motivated to act on it. Two unlikely friends take on the world. Vanessa, before you go, you're obviously one of our best known uh, agony aunts. If you've got a problem, Vanessa will solve it. And we've had a couple of listeners uh, reach out and uh, ask if you can help them. This is from Adem. How do I know if I'm going to like gay sex? I'm nervous. This actually feels more like a question for me, but I'm going to let you answer it, <laughs> Vanessa. I think it's it's absolutely and entirely and utterly normal to be nervous about sex, whoever you are, whatever you like, however experienced or inexperienced you are, because the whole thing is nerve-wracking. I mean, after all, just think of it. It's so intimate. It's so exposing. It's so, uh, particularly when blokes are involved, performance-orientated in so many different ways. So huge pressure to be a certain thing, look a certain way, last for a certain period of time, you know, swing from the chandelier without knocking it off the wall. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I would never want to be a bloke. I think it's really, really tough. I really genuinely, I'm not saying it to be amusing. I, I really mean it. And um, of course you're nervous. Who the hell wouldn't be? However, 
in the privacy of your lonely bedroom, you must have been able to let your fantasy run free and roam about the place. You must have seen various elements of porn which do appeal to you and various elements that don't appeal to you. And there must be things that turn you on and things that don't. You must have some idea of what you like to do. And when you find whatever it is you like to do, do that. Don't do something you don't want to do. Do what you do want to do. And at least your enthusiasm for doing it might make up for any perceived deficiencies in terms of longevity or appearance or any other thing. In other words, think of what turns you on, do that thing, and it's not the Olympics, and you know, you're not gonna have Craig Revel Hallwood marking you out of ten unless you're having sex, <laughs> unless you're having sex with Craig Revel Hallwood, in which in case, which case he yeah. He might. He might. But actually I know him and he's very generous. He'd probably give you a ten, quite honestly, if you performed abysmally badly. In other words, no one's scoring you for this. And if they are, they're nasty, don't have sex with them again. And once you've done it a few times, you should relax into it. But start with what you want to do, even if so far it's only been a fantasy, make it reality. And if you don't like doing it don't do it again think of something else spill that tea all right next one um i'm really jealous of my hot friends how can i stop comparing myself to everyone else well i mean i think everybody does it i mean even michelle obama said she suffered from imposter syndrome she'd walk into a room she'd see everybody looking sophisticated and suave and incredibly comfortable and amazingly knowledgeable and beautifully dressed and using the right fork and knife and you know making what seemed to her to be absolutely sprightly magnificent badinage and think oh shit what am i even doing in this room everyone else of course was looking at michelle obama and thinking oh my god she's so accomplished she's so urbane she's so charming she's so clever she's so influential I wish I were her and I think the thing to do is imagine that the friends that you are jealous of are thinking exactly the same about you they're just thinking you know otherwise they wouldn't be hanging out with you would they they wouldn't hang out with you if they didn't find things about you charming and good fun and entertaining and and and, you know delightful so Focus on what they're thinking about you, which is how great you are, rather than trying to compare yourself with them. So the greatest thing you can do in any social interaction is not keep on thinking, what do they think of me? What are they now thinking about me? What do they think about my shoes? What do they think about what I just said? Do they fancy me? Do they like me? Do they admire me? Try not to do that. Instead, think about them. Ask them questions about themselves. Focus on them. They will then respond with a glittering smile. And the next thing you know, you've got a nice relationship going on. So I think turn the focus off yourself. Pop. I think we'll leave with this one and it's about shame and actually I think this this is a question that will help a lot of gay people a lot of LGBTQ plus people listening I feel a lot of shame for who I am how do I remove that and feel proud of myself like you Vanessa well I mean that is just a terribly touching and incredibly heartbreaking question coming from anybody isn't it and and you know, the idea of feeling shame about yourself, I think, first of all, is, is just endemic in the human experience. None of us has ever lived a life which has been completely blameless and free of things that we wish we hadn't done or free of regrets or free of, you know, moments where we think, I mean, how could I have said that? How could I have done that? How could I have done that with this person in that position, in that place? How could I have conducted myself in that way? And I think once we know that everyone is feeling the same, you know, we all have reasons to feel shame. We can't be proud of everything we do all the time. But our sexuality and our sexual orientation should not be ever a focus for our shame because it's part of us. It's like my saying to you, and I've got got green eyes, I'm so ashamed. I'm full of shame, my eyes are green, I'm so ashamed. I feel like I can't look you in the face. I wish you wouldn't look at my eyes. I don't want anyone to know. And you say, Vanessa, that's you. You were born with those eyes. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't be ridiculous. You can feel shame about your conduct, being unkind, being dishonest, being cruel, being, you know, unprincipled. Feel shame about that, but don't feel shame about your sexual orientation, which is part of your DNA. 
DNA and is absolutely as much a part of you as the color of your eyes. It's a, in a way, it's a waste of shame. Don't waste your shame being ashamed of something that is absolutely part of you and you cannot control, you can't influence, you can't change, nor should you want to, it's part of you. So don't waste your shame. Be ashamed of something bad you've done that's horrible and cruel and unkind, but don't be ashamed of your sexuality and your identity and who you are. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a terrible squandering of something very serious because shame can stop you doing horrible things to other people. Great, be ashamed. And, and your sexuality may not be something you want to celebrate loudly and proclaim from the rooftops. Why should you? Personal to you, it's intimate to you, it's very private if you want it to be private. But a cause of shame Unless you're hurting somebody or doing something to them that they don't want you to do, there's no need and reason or rhyme to be ashamed of that. And I would say it would be a heartbreaking state of affairs if you wasted any of your life being ashamed of something which is absolutely part of who you are. Amen to that, Vanessa. <laughs> what a way to I'm end. I'm going to clap for you. I'm going to clap for you, Vanessa Feltz, on a gay and a non-gay. I love you. You're amazing. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Bye. Take care. Uh, thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay? Visit gaynongay.com slash donate. <laughs>